Sex Communication, a podcast of explicit audio and frank conversation. How do we talk about sex? How do we communicate during sex? Well, if you're here now, then you're going to find out. My name is Brianne McGuire, and each week I share an uncensored peek into the things we don't discuss. Sex. 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 I can't say the word sex. Sexy, sexy, sex stuff. Sex. Hello and welcome to episode 121. Today my guest is Malva Gasowski, an international best-selling author, business coach, trainer, family counselor, and parenting coach. Malva is also the creator of Coaching Mother and All, an online resource for parents and caregivers. In today's interview, we discuss the very practical need for open communication about sex with partners and with children. As a mother, wife, and experienced coach in all matters of family relationships, Malva has a great deal of expertise to share about how biology and socialization play into our understanding of sex. And of course, as with all my guests, we discuss her intimate personal experiences, specifically as they relate to motherhood and long-term monogamy. All right, so let's get into it. Here we go. Okay, so hello, Malva. How are you? Good. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you doing pretty well. Can you tell me a bit about the work that you do? I have two businesses. So my first one is I'm a business coach and a business trainer. And the second one, which I'm very, very passionate about is I am a couples counselor as well as a parenting coach. Uh, for the coaching part, you know, with, with parents and moms and things like that, is that something that you have a personal need for? Is that what prompted you to get into it? Or is it just something that happens to be a passion of yours? Can you just describe how that segment of your industry began? Well, it began when I was still at university because I have a master's in couples uh, counseling. And the reason why parenting came into play as an additional aspect is because I'm a mom of three. So taking into account that I had a million and two theories about children prior to being a mom myself, because I would raise other people's children through either uh, being a babysitter or uh, being a teacher at some point in time in my life, I, I found that a lot of parents... Um, they delegate the responsibility of raising their own children and or having a communication, an open communication with them. So my whole idea is to teach parents that communicating with your children, should it be about their behavior, should it be about their school and or even sex, is something that is the responsibility of the parent as opposed to outside sources, because we as parents should actually, uh, you know, treat communication as something that will connect us as a family and make us closer as opposed to disconnect because of all the nagging, screaming, yelling, and uh, complaints that are happening in the family on an everyday basis. Gotcha. So since you mentioned you are a mom, can you tell me a bit about how um, how your, your interest, or not your interest rather, but your intention about sex education specifically, how did that change um, you know, before you were a counselor, before you were a mom, right? So I, I assume, you know, growing up as a person that you had your own form of sex education, you get the training to be a counselor. I'm sure there may have been, hopefully <laughs> they cover that. But I mean, having that experience professionally as a counselor and working with parents and then becoming a parent yourself, did it change how you approached sex education with your own kids? Oh, definitely. You know, um, I'm 40 years old. So looking 40 years back, or even, you know, 30 years back, uh, where I came from, talking about sex was totally taboo. Like, 
you know, sex education and sex talk was practically not there. I can credit my mom for trying to, for example, have a a conversation with me about sex, but yet it was only in the limitations where she felt comfortable with. And when I came to her being of a mature, let's say, teenager trying to get more details and more specifics, then she would completely shut down. It's not that I'm blaming her, but she didn't have any preparation and she was not prepared to do so. Because again, from her patterns of being raised, she too didn't have sex and education to the extent that, in my opinion, she should have, taking into account, for example, that, you know, she was when she had me. So um, there's only so much that she can give if she doesn't have. So from my own perspective, I had to go out into the world and find sex education as opposed to it being delivered to me in accordance to my uh, mental and physical development. Uh, So yes, I can say that my sex education was non-existent. I had to go and look for it myself. As for my understanding of, you know, what sex is and what sex education should be, I'm very open with my kids. My kids are, are quite small, so we're not there yet. But we treat sex and, you know, talking about our, our gender, for example, and what's happening with our bodies as something completely normal. My children ask a lot of questions, you know, what do babies, where do babies come from? And the first time I got a question, where do babies come from, were when they were two and a half years old. And, you know, I didn't say the birds and the bees and, you know, there's a stork that came. No, mommy and daddy, when mommy and daddy decide to have a baby, you know, the baby grows in mommy's tummy and then the baby comes out. So, you know, I believe that sex education from a very, very young age, making people comfortable with it, to know that these are normal questions we should ask as opposed to tell taboo is something that I'm a big advocate of because making it into a taboo means, you know, you start to search for answers in maybe some of the inappropriate ways of finding out, uh, leading to certain consequences um, that we don't really want our children to, to face. And so was this approach informed by your university training? Unfortunately, no. So I had to learn the hard way, meaning um, I had so many sex conversations with uh, with parents that I was uh, coaching. And then they tell told me, come on, can you talk to my child? I went through in total, I have two, ma- two masters, two bachelors and two postgraduate degrees. And none of the courses that I had taken or were part of my recommended curriculum had anything to do with sexual communication. That is why one of the things that I do is I am being a couples counselor and a parenting coach. I am very vocal about sex as being an important part of number one, your everyday life. Not that you have to have sex every day because not everyone has that kind of stamina, but it has to be normal to speak about it, okay? Whoever you're speaking to. Well, I, I'm just, I'm astonished that it wasn't covered in the curriculum. That's just amazing to me and so sad. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah, sad. But I mean, it, it that kind of systemic, I mean, like we have systemic racism. There's just systemic um, stigma about sexuality, you know, that people, it's, it's uh, reinforced by media. It's reinforced with schooling and and all of that. I totally agree. A lot of the people that I have come in contact that are against actually open communication about sex, their idea is that we don't want our children to enter 
uh, the life of being sexually active right after we talk to them. And I'm like, okay, well, then if my child who is two and a half asks me about sex and I answer, does that mean that child is going to have sex tomorrow? No, it doesn't. It just means that instead of them searching elsewhere because their curiosity is going to grow, the question is, are they going to get factual information from you or they're going to be getting, you know, blown out of proportion way of what sex is because, you know, sex is not pornography, right? And sex is not hardcore pornography, which is accessible nowadays in, in on the internet. So one of the things that I do teach my parents and my kids is, you know what? Make sure that you come to the right source for the answers. And if you don't like the answer, tell me about it and I'll give you more if you need more. But delivering the appropriate information to the development, both physical and mental, of the child and or adult is crucial for it to stick and be, um, let's say, fertilized to grow into something positive as opposed to something negative. Right. Uh, there were a couple of topics that you had sent me when we were planning this interview. So you mentioned uh, we could talk about sex for couples during pregnancy yeah. uh, and after birth, rebuilding the spark, sex for long-term couples, and sex talk with kids for all ages. So I feel like we're we're touching around the, the sex education part with kids. Can you talk to me about how you, you tackle um, sex counseling for the couples? Very often... People don't understand the, 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 the um, I'm not going to say the mechanics because that is more understandable, but I'm going to say that people don't understand what is happening on a hormonal level with both men and women. So, you know, men reach their, their peak and their top when they're in their late teens and early twenties, and then they could be going and going like an energizer bunny and women, you know, reach that stage when they're around 40. So, you know, that's a 20 year difference, which means, you know, you guys have to understand each other and know where this um, libido or lack of is coming from. And so when it comes to, re, you know, couples, the very beginning, there may be hormones and there, there could be a natural boom and they keep going at it, but they don't talk about it. And very often there's this frustration of, you know, it was good at the very beginning, what happened later? Because this initial spark, like you, we called it at the very beginning, it can die out and that's totally normal unless we kind of make sure that we uh, take care of it and maintain it. So the couples that come to me are not couples at the very beginning, but they're generally you know, 10, 20, 30 years or maybe 15 years into their relationship when they're like, well, I don't feel that passion that I had at the very beginning. And I'm like, yeah, okay, neither do I. But that doesn't, <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong. I feel a totally right. different passion towards my husband, and we've been together for almost fifteen years. And to be honest, it's better than it was at the very beginning. So you know, it's mm. possible, it's doable. But the thing is that the men have to understand the way women function, and women have to understand how the men function. Because if they don't, they will have communicating. They will have problems with communicating, not only in bed or about bed, but outside of the bedroom as well. So that, for me, is one of the things that is quite uh, quite crucial to to explain to the couples that I work with. There, there's a lot there that I, I want to dive more into. But to start, the first thing that occurred to me when you were sharing about that is it sounds a lot like you're giving the sex education to the couples the same way that you would be giving it to the children. Like the need is very similar, yes. which is not surprising when you, you think about the lack of sex education. And, you know, if you didn't really get it and then you're an adult, 
this presumption that you picked it up along the way, it's not not always accurate, obviously, but um, just to touch on pornography for a little bit, because I mean, we touched on it a little bit. We were talking about with kids, you know, like if they're not getting um, honest communication with, you know, uh, parents that with their family or from their family rather or from their school, you know, they're going to look for it in the places that they can access it, which is almost always pornography, which yeah. is meant as entertainment, but often serves as education when there is nothing else there to yeah. fill that void with, uh, parents, with couples, you know, they still like a lot of us carry, like it just informs our expectations, uh, for the good or for the bad at the same time. I happen to be somebody that's pro-pornography in the sense that this idea that pornography can be expanded to be educational as well. But it's not to say that we should repackage pornography as it is and be like, hey, this can be educational. I mean in the sense that uh, if you think about it at its bare bones, this idea of, of uncensored viewing of a sex act right? Like seeing people actually having penetrative sex or actually masturbating or actually, you know, just like the anatomy and this whole view of, you know, human sex. If it was done in a way that wasn't um, performative um, and was done to be like, well, this is what it actually looks like. Because a lot of our sex education you know, it's drawings or it's an animated movie or it's, you know, putting condoms on bananas. It's things that really dance around the subject, but don't really give you the real information, which I think often creates this desire to see something more real, which winds up taking you into like the unhealthy porn. When we're talking about adults and couples, I think another positive of pornography is that it can often introduce things that we didn't know educates us that something exists, but also can help um, reassure us that something isn't wrong or um, shameful, right? So I'm talking more about kink or like maybe group sex or, you know, just anything that, that seems off the norm is there ever a point where you encourage them to watch porn together or to explore new things that they might be finding in porn or could find in porn? For me, I want to, you know, set the record straight that when there are two adults and they both consent to something and they're both happy with it along the way and at the very end of the whatever they were doing, then it's not out of the norm and it's not kinky. Okay, so for example, if a a lady likes the man to slap her in the bum and the man likes to do that as well, then why is it out of the norm if they're both happy? You know, they're consenting adults having fun. If one person likes, for example, dressing up and another person likes, you know, seeing someone dressed up again, is that out of the norm or what is the norm or vice versa? If one person likes it in the dark, and another person doesn't because he or she would want something else, this is not normal because they're not finding a common language, a common way of communicating. So lack of communication is abnormal to me. Finding things that pleasure both the man and the woman or, you know, two men or two women, whatever your um, your uh, pattern of uh, of sex is, 
as long as both sides or three sides or, or four sides, whatever, are happy, then I'll say it's normal as long as no one's getting hurt. So that's one thing. Uh, the second thing is, I believe that I, okay, so I personally don't um, tell the couples, this is the film that you should be watching. But I do tell couples, find other sources of information that pleasure both of you if you would like them, and porn is one of them. But most importantly, for me, I find that very often, especially post-baby, women don't appreciate and don't accept their own body as much as they should because they, for example, had a C-section and this new scar and this way that their body is is formed and shaped is not something that they got accustomed to or because of lack of physiotherapy uh, post-op, they don't get that feeling there anymore so you know a lot of things happen um once you give uh, birth for example through the through the c-section and so the women have to understand to appreciate their body at the very beginning and if i t- tell them you know go watch a porn uh film they'll be more blocked and locked inside so shut down as opposed to open i the first and one of the best steps is that i what i tell the people to do is you know find yourself and look at your own body from a different perspective just like um you have a mirror in your bathroom you know get undressed and just you know stare at yourself and see what kind of things you like about yourself and what kind of you know how your body has changed because if you had just given birth your breasts are a different size your hips are totally different um the way the the way your 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 waistline is shaped it may not be the ideal proportion of a model and it doesn't have to be for it to bring you and your partner pressure and if i and very often when you talk about let's say the more most popular porn or like porn pornography magazines they have such ideally shaped women there photoshop most of it but you know telling a woman okay go watch a film and this is how you should perform will actually shut her more because of the comparison so very often I tell them, you know what, why don't you just look where you find the pleasure and how beautiful you are? I, I prefer to uh, tell the, the, my couples to actually look at books because there then there's no comparison rather than like performance comparison rather than um, video. Later on, I say video is the last thing that you are going to go into. And then that opens a completely new door of pleasure for you, which you will get to, but make sure that you accept your own body and your partner's body first. So there is no, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be as good as him or her um, scenario coming into play. So, you know, I have to work in the early stages first before I get to the pornography, which I still believe can be um, can be something positive for uh, for people. To be honest, thank you for sharing that. To start, I do want to just say I think it's it's worth repeating. You know, for people listening, like if there's consent and willingness, and it's there's joy being had from both parties or all parties involved. You know, like that is normal. That's your normal, and it doesn't matter if you've never heard of it before. You don't hear your friends talking about it or see it, you know, uh, commercially produced or anything like that. Um, and that normal quote unquote can change because you might want something new once you grow up, let's say, or, 
you're not you're not into it anymore because you know you're like well it's mundane for me now let's try something different so i don't want to do what i thought was kinky er earlier and now i think it's normal and boring let's try something else so that is the beauty of of being in a long-term relationship for example that you both can discover places you've never been before uh not necessarily uh you know traveling the world but traveling on your own body yeah yeah so you mentioned, you know, the hormonal changes and the physical changes that happen with age, but with women, especially, you know, after childbirth. Do you think, though, having the perspective that you do with with working with couples, you know, you, you talked about in the beginning, often you, you talk with them individually, and you discover that they weren't being their authentic selves when they were in the early part of their relationship. So do you find that issues that couples are having down the road, are they more a result of trying to understand their physical and biological chemical states where they are at that moment? Or is it kind of the, the long-term effects of not entering into it in an authentic way? You know what? I think that could, this, the answer is yes to both. Yeah. If you don't enter a relationship in an authentic way, then you've got more work to do because first you need to show your own authenticity or maybe even discover it by yourself before you share it with a partner. So you have this additional step. And on top of that step, you have exactly what you just said with life and depending on everything that is going on. So both your diet and your physicality, meaning have you gained weight or lost weight? Have you had a baby or not had a baby? You know, are you on medication or are you not? Um, you know, are you emotionally stable right now? Or you, you know, something is off. Like, for example, you're grieving the loss of something or someone, you know, all those things play a factor in how you perceive your partner, your long-term partner. And therefore, if you are grieving the loss of someone in your family, you might not be into, for example, sexual relationship right now with your husband or vice versa. Your way of reacting to that grief might be, you know, additional um, way of, of expressing yourself through, for example, sex. So everything is possible. But for me, one of the most important thing is that people in long-term relationships sometimes forget that it takes work okay it mm -hmm. takes work to be happy in a relationship just as a two people and then it takes additional work to be happy in a relationship as people and kids so mom dad 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 mom mom whatever the 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 pattern is and then on top of that you have to remember to work on yourself not only as a couple but as a sexually active couple because that's what people sometimes forget that to be a sexually active couple you need to put in the work and, you know, taking into account that we are under the same roof and now with the pandemic, we are doing everything under the same roof. We forget that we also are sexual beings and we need to keep in contact and tap into that because we're homeschooling our kids. We have home offices, you know, we're not allowed to go see our friends. We have to do everything at home. Uh, and then at the end of the day, you find, do I really have time to kind of make myself presentable, so to speak, to, you know, lure my husband or my wife into uh, the bedroom. And very often there is a misconception between, you know, the man takes a shower and and turns on the, I mean, um, uh, lights the candles and thinks that's enough. And for a woman, 
it's not enough because for a woman, very often men don't, don't realize that it takes the whole day for her to be ready at night. And yes, it is a lot of um, investment in order to get a return on investment. And that is where another issue comes into play that very often men in long-term relationships, uh, they want this release. So they prefer to, for example, masturbate at the end of the day to release and have it done and over with instead of invest that time in nurturing that woman so you guys can connect at the end of the day, for example, or during the day uh, with uh, their sexuality. Um, because it's not only about the release, it's more about the connection as well to make sure that whatever we're doing, it's connecting us as a couple, both intimately as well, as opposed to uh, disconnecting us. Yeah. It's, you know, you made me think about how, especially with, with kids, right? We talk so much about um, women's experience, you know, especially, you know, the hormonal and the physical changes, etc. But I don't often hear a lot of people talk about what it's like for men. And I, I imagine, well, I mean, I, again, like you said, whatever the pattern of your relationship is, whatever the gender breakdown, um, the partner that that didn't have a baby, if there is uh, birth involved. Like I imagine there, it's just natural that there's a fear about touching or hurting or, you know, like maybe this hesitance to engage. Do, do you hear, like, can you talk about your experience that you've, you know, witnessed and, and, you know, perhaps in your training or in real life, like what have you perceived to be some things that the partners struggle with, not necessarily the mothers, but like the other side of it? Well, the partners are at the receiving end, right? They're at the receiving end of something that is new and unknown. And it's not only new and unknown to them, but it's also new and unknown to, the, let's say, the mother that gave birth physically. Because we there are a lot of things we don't understand and no one talks to us. And this is something, even my... Uh, my OBGYN didn't talk to me when I gave birth three times and I had three C-sections. She never discussed to me, with me, you know, what's going to be happening to my body physically and how it's going to affect negatively and positively, you know, sexual contact. And that for me was like, why didn't you talk to me? Like, I, I didn't know, you know, what was what, what to expect. And, and it's quite... So we as women that had given birth, we are discovering our bodies again and something that felt normal and felt nice at the very beginning, let's say, of our relationship prior to uh, to giving birth to babies now doesn't feel good anymore or it feels good, but only in certain positions or you know, we're surprised by our own body's reaction. So if we don't know, how do we expect our partner to know? He too was used to pleasuring us in a certain way that worked and now it doesn't. Or he was used to getting a certain reaction from us and now that reaction is inexplicable to, to, inexplicable to him because it's either, whoa, what happened here? She is already versus, huh, it's not working. So, you know, again, you have to both talk about it and rediscover and introduce certain things that will help you. So, for example, if you are, if you have just given birth and you're breastfeeding, very often for the length of you breastfeeding your child plus three, four months after you finish, that is when women experience dryness you need to introduce lube to make it at least pleasurable because if you don't, it's like running, you know, sandpaper on your body. It hurts. So no one has ever told me 
or nowhere was I able to find that information. Even my doctors didn't tell me, you know what, you need to introduce something into your sex life to make it better because your body is just not producing enough um, liquid to make it better for use sexually. So, you know, something as simple as, you know, you go buy lube and then, huh, a lot of the answers are answered or the questions are answered. And women just don't realize that breastfeeding is also like almost the extension of pregnancy. Your body still has hormonal changes because uh, as a normal quote unquote woman, not a mother in any sense, you're not leaking, you know, milk out of your breast. And, you know, when you are breastfeeding and you're sexually active, he or the, or she can just touch your breast and, you know, you get shot with milk in your eye. Okay. So, you know, things like that, people don't talk about it and it's, And it sometimes makes them feel uncomfortable that all of a sudden, you know, you want to be sexually active, but you've got milk leaking out of your breasts. And, oh, my God, what will my partner think about it? And that partner may like it, but he may not or she may not say it. Therefore, lack of communication here, again, makes the woman who is experiencing that more shut down as opposed to open. Very often, if, for example, post-birth, you are still breastfeeding, your breasts are really sore. They really are. So certain positions, not that you don't like them anymore, but they're not possible because they hurt. They really hurt if you're hanging and your breasts are like filled, filled with, with milk. There's no way that's going to be pleasurable for you because it is just painful. Again, the men, for example, or the partners, they should understand but they can't understand because they won't know they just don't know unless you having this experience are going to tell them about it right so again like i said for me just the title of your of your podcast is amazing sex communication no matter what you're doing you need to talk about it so communication is key and crucial in sex as well i couldn't agree more that was (laughs) you're taking the words right out of my mouth yeah, it is. I mean, it was a good reminder too. you know, I, I was talking about the other partner. But again, you're you're reinforcing the assumption that information is being passed to either party, right? You know, yeah. and, and it's just a, a failing of, of education and healthcare and, and <laughs> just so many things. But to turn it a, a little bit more personally, I mean, you said you had three kids, so maybe the experience has been different each time. But can you just talk about how your own relationship and your own sexuality and response has changed, you know, prior to having your first child and then, you know, as you've had other children and, you know, where you are now? Well, you know what? I think that mine or anyone else's sexuality should be a progress. And I hope that I'm not at the end of the road. There's still a lot ahead. Um, At the very beginning, you know, before my first child, I had the luxury of being in contact with my with my husband whenever we we chose fit, meaning, you know, if we had the weekend for us, the weekend was ours, right? It was our story to write. And was it at 2am? Or was it at midday? Or was it, you know, right before uh, dinner, it was our story. So we were free to do whatever we wanted, you know, and then at the very beginning, when I when I had my first pregnancy, um, 
it was uh, a surprise to all parties, meaning it was a surprise for me, it was a surprise for the doctors, and it was a surprise for my, my husband as well, because the doctors told me I would never be able to have kids. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you're like, oh, how did that happen? So again, um, my body had to go through a lot of changes. And I was, you know, on bed rest for most of my, my pregnancy. And the doctors kind of didn't explain to me what sex is and what sex isn't, you know, during um, during a difficult and endangered pregnancy, because very often doctors say, well, you know, you can't have sex because, for example, your pregnancy is uh, is in danger. Well, what does that mean? Okay, what, what does it mean you can't have sex? So what, I can't kiss my husband? Does it mean I can't pleasure him? Does it mean he can't pleasure me? Or does it mean he can't penetrate? Right. Mm-hmm. So very often I find if, I, I find that doctors don't inform the couple or the woman where is the line that she needs to draw in order for for uh, her to still find pleasure and still connect with her husband or, or, or partner. So what is, for example, sex is cuddling naked. Is that still sex or that's not sex yet? Right. So, you know, things like that, the couples need to understand that let's get into the technicality as to what does sex mean to both you and me as a partner and how we can influence that, you know, post birth. It was horrible for me because I, this was the first time I had a C-section. So all of a sudden, my whole body was completely uh, different. I did not understand my body. And, you know, I have a very loving husband who, when I said, you know what, I don't understand what is happening, you know, all these hormonal imbalances are in me. And, and technically, I should understand because, you know, I am... I did study psychology, I studied sociology, I studied child development, I studied uh, couples counseling. So, you know, I should be more in the known than I was, and yet I wasn't. So I had to, you know, dig deep to find uh, solutions to the questions that I had, and I knew where to look. So for me, a problem is for women that don't know where to look, and the men take it out on the women, and the women take it out on the men. So you know, things like that, ma- making sure that sex isn't a reason for argument, because sex should be something that actually brings people together, as opposed to uh, tears them, as opposed to tearing them apart. So that is something that um, was quite new. And then later on, you know, how do we fit sex into being a mom and being a businesswoman at the same time, because I did go back to work and, you know, between taking care of work, taking care of the baby, taking care of the house, do I have to take care of my husband now? You know, how do we get from that stage to taking care of the house together, taking care of the baby together, taking care of our work together and making sure that we still take care of ourselves. That was something that needed adjusting. And it's not something that was done naturally, but we needed to put the effort into it. Again, another thing, nothing in a relationship comes naturally in the long term because it needs to you need to put effort into it and it is a progress so if you don't like what you have now make sure that you talk about it and say listen this is what we have i would like to improve on it let's improve one thing and see how we both like it whatever the situation may be the place of living how we're organizing our dinner um being ready how we clean up and how we have sex so everything one change at a time will make it better and make it into a progress to um, to make the relationship amazing and make the relationship amazing in bed as well. And then, you know, all you can do is add kid number two and number three and a second business on top of that. And that's where I am today. 
I had to. But it, I mean, did it get easier with each kid where you're like, okay, this is familiar now? Definitely, because you had the answers. So if you look for the answers after the first kid, then those are the same answers you're going to have. And because similar things are happening to you, the, the the thing that is just worse with, you know, adding every kid is that, you know, you only have 24 hours a day. So you have to make sure that you stack certain things up together. So I don't remember the last time I had a bath myself, to be honest, <laughs> because I'm like, you know what? I might as well have a bath with my husband. Why don't we just sit in the bath together? We talk and we drink our morning coffee. And then our kids know that this is the time where for 20 minutes they watch a story and we have a morning bath together. So number one, I do a lot of things at the same time. Morning coffee, have a chat with my husband. We take a bath together and we're connecting on a, let's say, deeper level. Because when you're when you're naked, then you also have this vulnerability, which allows you to, for example, connect with the other person uh, on a deeper level. So there you go. You kill a few birds with one stone. So you need to multitask. Yes, it is always true. So with the pregnancy that you, the first pregnancy where you mentioned, you know, it was a difficult pregnancy, you were on bed rest, and you were just told, you know, to not have sex, like what did the answers wind up being? Did that just mean penetrative sex? Did you ever find out what the doctors were actually referring to? So don't have sex very often means don't have penetration because penetration makes certain organs looser in your body and and having an endangered um, pregnancy is something that you don't want. You may want to make sure that everything is tight there. But, you know, for for me, in my case, again, if you are in such a situation, make sure you clear it with your doctor. But for us, we could have done everything but penetrative sex. Right. So can you talk a little bit personally again how what you're into sexually has evolved you know you, like you you said you see your sexuality as changing and evolving and it's not that you're at the end of it um you know it's always going to be changing it's going to be changing tomorrow it's going to be changing 5 10 years from now but you know where you are now looking back and seeing where you are and where you've come from like what did you used to be into that maybe you're not into anymore or maybe there's something that's always worked for you. Can you just talk a bit about the things that have gotten you off and like what you're really into now? So to be honest, when I look at myself at the very beginning of my road to sexuality, I was in the dark. Like I knew nothing. (laughs) So taking that into account, you know, if you know very little as, as a young girl entering into into womanhood, then everything seemed new and everything seemed frightening and overwhelming. And that's something that I don't want, for example, for, for, for my kids. So I want them to know that they can always ask. Um, and the other thing is, you know, at the very beginning, when you're trying new things, very often you don't understand your body. And that is where the problem is. If you're if you have a good partner, meaning one that doesn't ridicule you or one that that is patient with you or one that has maybe a little bit more experience than you, that allows you to to blossom into, let's say, a fulfilled woman. And if I look at at the beginning of my relationship with my uh, with my husband, it was amazing because we clicked instantly at this, let's say, high level of, of intensity that none of us were um, were uh, acquainted to, and then all of a sudden, both of us were at a, in a position where we pushed our boundaries. I was hoping for some details, but I, I respect you know what you're what you're willing to talk about. Masturbation is always an important part of 
one's sexual health, right? And and especially I would think during pregnancy, I think I can imagine, especially as your your body's changing, at least like that's something you have more control over. You can, you know, get reacquainted with your body and your new needs at your own pace. Um, can you talk about how like masturbation has, has been there for you? It has been a positive thing in, in your life? There are people who, for example, like masturbating. There are others that think that it's something that is negative. I would say whatever is good for you, make it work. Making sure that you understand your body and understand the changes that are happening both outside and inside of your body allows you to get close to yourself and understanding what pleasures you. And that's exactly what I, for example, recommend the, the ladies who, who are pregnant. <laughs> but I mean, for you personally, without, you know, hypothesizing or giving advice to somebody else. Can you talk at all about like your own personal experiences, what you enjoy, what you're into, what works for you? I enjoy being in contact with another person. So for me, having the possibility to just find the time to be close, for example, in this case, it is my husband because it's us together. So being close to him and making sure that we take our time and making sure that we both find, um, find the beauty in every single, let's say, roll of fat or every single uh, change in our body. I also feel that if we, if we, uh, if we stay healthy, so if we're physically fit, then, then, then we, we, or I find more pleasure in, in, in um, sexual intercourse. If I feel that I'm okay and I'm fit and I make sure that I have, um, I have my husband next to me and everything goes, to be honest. So everything from the so quote unquote vanilla sex to the quote unquote kinky sex, I'm okay with it. And, you know, having, okay, we have a whole closet and this is our, we call it our white closet. Cause when we open it, there's a rainbow of, of different toys, you know, different outfits and everything that you can find in there. And we just make sure that we have fun. If I were to wear one outfit every single uh, day, you know, six months in, we'll still have a, a big choice of things to choose from. <laughs> For me, myself, if I want something, I say, baby, this is what I want. And, you know, very often he's very happy to uh, to serve. Thank you for sharing about, you know, you have this closet. I'm, I'm intrigued about this closet. So with kids and, and with your own kids specifically, do you... Does pleasure-based education factor into the sex education that you intend to share with your own children and similarly what you recommend to the clients that you have? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, is something that I, I, I strongly believe in that kids should understand that sex can bring pleasure to both parties as long as both parties are consenting uh, to that. And if they are uh, later on, they, they're, they're adults and they're, they're okay with having intercourse. I'm, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. How do you reinforce that pleasure is something to, um, to cultivate and that you have a right to, and it's not necessarily, you know, tied to connection, but like the physicality of it. Do you foresee yourself encouraging masturbation and encouraging, you know, experimenting with toys or, or finding out how they can pleasure themselves so that they can then go and educate a partner or like feel empowered to ask for what they want and like act upon their desires instead of feeling beholden to whoever they're engaging with. 
You yeah. know what I'm saying? I totally understand. Well, the stigma of through with the people that I came in contact with and, and where I was raised was, you know, as a woman, you need to be a virgin the moment you are going to uh, enter a, a, a marriage. So you're not allowed to have any uh, sexual contact. And as a, as a man, you should be able to please a woman. And as a man, you know, your needs are most important. And that for me is something that is, is horrible, to be honest, because how come I have to wait until I make other decisions? I'm totally okay with, with, with teaching both my kids and other kids, you know, that it's okay for you if you are, are a boy or a girl and it doesn't really matter your, your gender. It's okay for you to find pleasure in, in, in your own body and in, in, in what your body does with another person. And is it through uh, masturbation or is it through uh sexual intercourse or just having sex as a way not necessarily penetration but as a way of getting to know your own body you have the right to that because why not good points is there anything that you want to just make sure we we talk about the most important thing for any any relationship in my opinion is openness so i would like and this is a comment for myself too, because I sometimes shut down, but for every single person, woman or man who is listening to me, make sure that you're open towards your partner. And even if you're shy, then just say, you know what, I'm shy to do that. I would like to, but I'm scared and I don't know how, you know, let's do this step by step. And again, make sure you as a woman understand your cycle and you will notice that the changes that are happening in your body and those changes are going to bring pleasure both to yourself and to your partner as well. I agree. And I, yeah, I definitely experience the same thing. I find, you know, it's a combination of the hormones, but also, you know, mental state and stress level and schedule. I mean, all of the things we all know as humans just impact our our life, including and especially often our sexual life and our interest in doing things or, yeah. It, it's just, it's all a circle. Well, Malva, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you so much for sharing all of the things that you, you did and, and just opening up with me. I appreciate it. Thank you so very much for having me. Thank you everyone for listening. And I hope to get in touch with uh, everyone who ever wants uh, another conversation with me. <laughs> okay, so that's our episode for this week. In today's episode notes, I've included links so that you can find Malva online in case you'd like to book her as a coach or find out more about the work that she does. All right, I'll talk to you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sex Communication. Please subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcast. And if you'd like more information about the show, visit us online at sexcompod.com. That's S-E-X-C-O-M-P-O-D.com. If you'd like to be a part of the show, please email me at sexcompod at gmail.com. I am always looking for new sex audio and people to interview. It could be you.